This is the month of friendship. And um, last Friday, Pastor Bola shared a scripture. And Pastor really expanded on it a great deal. And we had the anointing. And I wanted us to just look at that scripture today. And I titled this Ascending the Mountains of Victory. I, I kind of struggled with the title for a while. And, but this is what I came up with, Ascending the Mountains of Victory. And let's look at Obadiah 1.17. It's one of those prophets that, um, yeah, he's one of the silent prophets. It says, but on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Now, um, for, I mean, I know for those of us who've been to Israel, and I know some of us are going again next, uh, next year. Um, but the whole thing about Mount Zion, Zion, can, it, it connotes Jerusalem. It connotes the place of God's presence. So, when you, when, so it says, in the place of God's presence, in the place of his presence, what, there is deliverance. In the place of his presence, there is holiness. In the place of his presence, the people of God possess their possessions. Praise the Lord. So there is a place. There is a place. It's the mountain. Now, if you look into scriptures, the, there is a lot of situations where certain people have separated themselves and gone up to mountains in order to have a different kind of experience with God. Praise the Lord. So we can see with Abraham, we can see with Moses. Um, the very first time Moses had that experience with God, he was on the mountain. Praise the Lord. The time when he received the commandments, he went up to a mountain. Praise the Lord. And also we see with Jesus Christ, it's really interesting. If, if, you, if you read the Gospels, he goes up on the mountains and not soon after he comes back, it's either he comes with a revelation, a powerful revelatory message, or he comes and does a great miracle. Praise the Lord. If, if you just read the Gospels, you would see this pattern with him going. He would, he's with his disciples and then he would just take some time to go up to the mountain and he comes back. Praise the Lord. And also we see it with um, another silent prophet. They call them minor. I don't like that. But Habakkuk, right, in the book of Habakkuk chapter 2. And he went up. He said he was going to go up in order to receive something from God. So I guess the big question is, how does that relate to me and you? Because there's something about this mountain. There's something. Because we can... Why did they have to go to a mountain? Why couldn't they just be in their homes or be on the street or be on the train or be on the bus? You know, why a mountain? And what's this whole thing about stepping away to go up, up? I want you, I want you to notice the word up to a mountain. Praise Jesus. Now... Like I said, we experience not just his presence, because the truth is God is everywhere. 
I think that's one thing we've got to understand is God, you know, God is everywhere. His presence, there is nothing that is hidden from the presence of God. Nothing. Nothing is hidden from his presence. But then there is what I call the glory of his presence. Now, the reality is, for most of us, most of the time, we don't carry a consciousness of his presence. And it's not that we're bad people, all right? Some of us, it's we've, we've got work and things to do with work that we've got to deal with. We've got, you know, we've got deadlines. We've got all that to sort out. Um, we're looking at, okay, our children and 11 plus exams and whatnot and all these other things which are really there in front of you, right? You're, you're thinking about your car. You've got to service your car. When, you know, when, it's, when is it due? When do I do it? Where do I, you know, all, life. You see, we have life. You can't just suspend life because life is there right in front of you. That's our reality. Does that make sense? We have life. Oh, it would be good if we didn't have that and we could just always just, you know. And, but the reality is we have life. And so it's not about beating ourselves up and saying, oh, you know, I don't experience his presence enough. I must be a terrible person. No, you, you have life and you will live life. You've got the things you've got to deal with, day-to-day -day stuff. Sometimes it's challenges you face. Even sometimes it's even the good stuff right? The good stuff still is, uh, so good things are happening for you, you've got to give them attention, right? Not so good things are happening to you, you've got to give them, what? Attention. And then there's the daily grind of, you know, things you normally do just to keep things ticking. You and I have to give them attention. Now, what happens though is because we, we can be so caught up with life, that we begin to become less and less conscious of his presence. Praise the Lord. Right? It's so easy for that to happen to us because life is right there in front of us. Now, Abadiah 1.17 helps us understand, though, that there are benefits. There are great benefits to the glory of his presence. There are great benefits to actually separating yourself and going up to the mountain. There are benefits. And let's just look at some of these very quickly. Now, the first one, it says there will be deliverance. So the first one is deliverance. Now, Moses is the one who is termed the deliverer. You know, he was the one who got used to deliver the children of Israel from the land of captivity. Now... When we talk about deliverance from something, which is what happened with the children of Israel, what we're talking about is a system, right, that limits or hinders you from fully expressing who you are. Praise the Lord. So it's a system or something that holds you back, limits you from fully expressing who you are. It could be spiritual. Praise the Lord. There are spiritual situations that confront you, right? It could be here, right? There could be strongholds that take hold of your soul, right? And then it could just be just within the context of social, 
uh, within the context of interaction. So it could be political. You know, the government comes up with some regulation that hinders you. Say your passport doesn't qualify you for this. Do you get where I'm coming from? So we have certain things which limit you, hinder you from entering into the fullness of the expression of who you can be, what you can do. Now, and those things, they don't, won't want to let you go. They won't want to let you go. Now, the Bible says that in the place of the glory of his presence is where we receive deliverance from those things. Now, I don't know what those things may be in your life. All right? It, so, you sit down and you evaluate and ask yourself, what is hindering me? What is holding me back? What is limiting me? What is stopping me that I need deliverance from? And it's saying, upon Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. Now, there's deliverance from, then the other one is deliverance in two. And then we go to Joshua. And what happened was, there was this thing that a land that had been promised to them, but it, at the moment, it belonged to some other people. So it's like, well, you know, there's a promise that God gave you, but... Right now, that promise, even though God has said it, it's yours, you look at the deed and it doesn't have your name on it. Praise the Lord. So, he has promised you sound health, but you look at the medical report and it's saying something contrary to what he has said. Does that make sense? So, this is delivering something to you that is supposed to be yours but you don't have right now now the bible says upon mount zion in the place of the glory of his presence it will be delivered to you praise the lord and then the other one is he said there will be holiness praise jesus you know when moses went up to the mountain and he comes back and his face is glowing and the people can't look onto his face because of the glory of the Lord. You know, he had experienced the glory of the Lord just and, and so people just couldn't look. Now, the thing is, usually, this is what happens. When we err, when we do the thing we're not meant to do, the natural tendency for us is to do what Adam and Eve did, to hide. That's just a natural thing, is to hide. Because we know that we have erred, it's the default thing is shame. And because we have shame, we then hide. So we shut our Bibles. We don't feel comfortable praying anymore. And so we stop praying and we step further away from his presence. And then we're now in a place where the bacteria can grow. Praise the Lord. But in his presence, praise the Lord. So today you've done a silly thing. You've gone and lied and your boss asked one question. And because you didn't want to get into trouble, you said something else. 
and you got away with it. You see, the thing is, you t- said something, you said, you told your boss an untruth, and you got away with it. Now, and because of that, you feel shame, so you don't, you don't do what your normal routines as far as his presence is concerned. Remember, you have been rewarded for doing the wrong thing. Does that make sense? Because you got away with it. That's a reward. So I didn't get into trouble because I lied. So you are conditioning your brain. You are teaching your brain, right, that there is a reward for dishonesty. And after a while, you will no longer have control because your brain is conditioned to lie to get out of trouble. Praise the Lord. Now, the one who knows that upon Mount Zion, there is holiness, comes into his presence And in his presence, he would receive correction. Because you're sitting down with God. We'll talk about this. You're talking about your day yesterday. And then God will remind you. Praise the Lord. God will remind you. And there is is a remorse that is not the shame, but is a remorse, I have disappointed my daddy. Praise the Lord. And then, he will then tell you next time this is what you do. He, it's, he's, he's your daddy. So what happens is, you are in his presence. That thing can't be in his presence. And so, his presence, right? The darkness cannot comprehend the light of his presence. Praise the Lord. So, rather than being away from his presence, because we're ashamed... And then we're now in the environment where that thing can grow until it now grows and becomes a stronghold. Because we, it has now become how we do what we do. Because we have been away from his presence. Praise the Lord. So a lot of things that we are struggling with right now, the things I want to do, I don't do, the things I shouldn't be doing, I find myself doing, who is it that's going to deliver me from this wretched body, right? His presence, 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 presence. Praise the Lord. The glory of his presence in his, in the, and, and upon Mount Zion, where the glory of his presence is, there is holiness. Praise Jesus. And then he says, the children of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Now, does that mean that we go up there to get our stuff? Not necessarily. Yes and no. Praise the Lord. Because like, oh, so if I go up there, you know, I come back with bounty. I, I, you know what? You know, that's kind of cool, but that's not what it is. Right? Now, what it is is within the glory of his presence, we actually encounter an experience what enables us to be able to take hold of what is promised to us. Praise the Lord. Now, how, 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 how does this happen? And I'll quickly, share, I'll, I'll quickly share a few things to get this. Is this making sense? Praise Jesus. So he says we will possess our possessions. I don't know. So what are your possessions? Your possession is anything God says is yours. Praise the Lord. If God says it's yours, that is your possession. 
But the question now is, how do I possess my possession? I know that I possess my possession, right, by being in the glory of his presence. The question, though, is how? Now, let's look at a few things. Let's look at the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 from the first verse. Habakkuk chapter 2 from verse 1. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. So I'm going to separate myself. I'm going to go up there, right? And I'm going to watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Can you see what happens? So I want us to catch a few things here, right? So he's going to say stuff to me, and also there's going to be correction, right? Let's continue. The next verse. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain. So the first thing is vision. Now the truth is, there's, you can have vision when you're in the plain. You can have vision when you're in the valley, but your vision is limited. See? There is a vision that you catch from what you see within the context of your current reality. Does that make sense? So the reality is you look within the context of your reality and your limitations. And your vision cannot be bigger than the limitations that you have within your current context. Praise the Lord. So it's not like you can't have vision without going up there. But when you go up to the place of the glory of his presence, all of a sudden, what is too little for God that is too big for you now becomes little for you so you can see beyond that. Praise the Lord. Because God's vision for you and I is not limited by our abilities, by our backgrounds, by how much we have or don't have. His vision, the only thing that can limit God's vision for you is the, the, the resources that God doesn't have, and God has everything. Does that make sense? So that means, so the thing is, but you can't catch a vision that, that is the true vision for your life where you are. Your bank account will limit your vision. Right? Your network of friends that you have or don't have will limit your vision. Praise the Lord. Right? Lots of things would limit your vision where you are. So you can't possess the possession because even though you have received the word, you haven't seen it. You notice what he said in the first verse of that chapter. He says, I will watch to see what he will say. So the challenge with many of us is we have heard it, but we can't see it because of the place where we were when we heard it. We can't see it. But when you are in the place of the glory of his presence, when he speaks it, you see it. Does that make sense? And seeing is believing. So many people just say it. So they echo it because it's a nice thing to say. But deep down inside, they don't believe it because they haven't seen it. So the first thing is vision. Is we catch a vision of God. The vision that God gives us that we can receive because we are in the place of the glory of his presence. Hallelujah. Now, the second thing is, is if we move on to verse 3, it says, 
For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. And though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now, that's encouragement. I need us to understand something. You know, you and I are going to go through stuff. You're going to go through stuff on the way to where we're going. That's the reality. And some of that stuff is not going to be so pleasant. Right? Does that make sense? It is in the place of the glory of his presence that the word encourage means to infuse with courage. Does that make sense? So when you're going through stuff and you're sitting down with your daddy and the daddy says, my son, I promise you, just stick with this for a while, right? As long as you stick with it, at the end, you're going to get this, right? And you just leave to, okay, daddy said it, right? So there is encouragement for the journey so you can possess your possessions. Praise the Lord. Now, it's one thing, let me share something with you. It's one thing for me to encourage you, it helps. But when your heavenly daddy encourages you, it's different. Trust me, it's different. You, you, when, and when you've received encouragement from him, you leave with, infused with spiritual energy to keep on keeping on. Praise the Lord. Let's continue. Next verse, please. Verse 4. It says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by, and I want to emphasize that word, his or her faith. Praise the Lord. The reality is you can get certain things through other people's faith. Right? So I can, I can have faith as your brother and stand in the gap for you. You can have faith as my brother or my sister standing. But to live, to live, which means my life, everything that constitutes the whole of my life, right? It has to be by my faith. And it is in the place of the glory of his presence right, that we receive the word that we see, so we believe. So in a sense, it's in the place of the glory of his presence or on the mountain, right, that the word enters. The Bible says the entrance of his word gives light, not just the hearing. Praise the Lord. So the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Two people hear. Another person ha carries a consciousness of the presence of God. So the word goes in while the other person isn't, is, is, it, it's just, you know, it makes sense here, but they can't see it. So they don't believe it. Praise the Lord. So, the, so you see there, there's, what do we have? We had vision. We had encouragement. We had faith, and the third one, actually the fourth one is instruction, where he said to us, write the vision and make it plain that he may run the reads it. So you also receive instruction, right? And this is, I don't know what to do. Do this and do that. I know he's getting to you, but don't do this. I know you're thinking of going to write this letter, and your colleague at work said you should write this letter of complaint. Hold back, my son. Hold back, my daughter. Take a chill pill. Right? That's the benefit of the glory of his presence. Instructions. Praise the Lord. And a few other ones. I've talked about correction. Um, yeah, correction. Let me talk about correction very quickly. 
Watch time. Now, with correction, error can get us into trouble. It was on the mountain with his son, Isaac, that Abraham received correction. If he did not receive that correction, he would have killed his poor son. Praise the Lord. So even though it was God who gave him the previous instruction, so if because you're running with what God said yesterday, you, do, you, you step away from the place of the glory of his presence, then you will miss out on what he says today. Praise the Lord. So we're running with enthusiasm the word what we received yesterday. And so we're so consumed with running with this, running on an assignment. We're busy doing what God said that we have disconnected from the glory of his presence. Praise the Lord. And so we're not hearing what he's saying right now. Hallelujah. So I just share this. So when we have all these in place, and then there's also empowerment. It says they go from strength to strength. Every one of them appear before him in Zion. So there's a, he infuses you with strength for the journey. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, good. Now, so we see the value of the glory of his presence. Now, the question then is, how do we experience it? The first thing is, how do we experience the glory of God's presence? The first thing I would say is your motivation. You've got to have the right motivation. Even though there are benefits, right, that's not the primary motivation. If you look at um, the main motivation for experiencing the glory of his presence is actually friendship with God. That's the main thing. It's intimacy with God. It's what? Intimacy with God. That's the main thing. It's relationship. It's relationship. It's intimacy. It's friendship that I may know him. As um, Paul said, I mean, Paul, I mean, he's, he's a weird one. I mean, he literally took years. He went away from everyone and spent years, right? He came back and he had revelation. People thought he was nuts. He literally separated himself and just basked in God's presence. He came back and people were like, what kind of guy are you? But in spite of that, what did he say? He says, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Philippians 3.10. So this is a guy saying, I just want to know him. Now, you see, I don't know if you know the Old Testament when they're talking about, you know, and say, and um, Abraham knew Sarah, right? So that's intimacy, right? And then they had a child, Okay intimacy praise the lord yes you're the bride of christ however you try to visualize it the holy spirit help you right intimacy praise the lord so i want to know him not i want to know of him the bible says those who know their god shall be strong and do exploits not those who know about him it's not your knowledge of him. It's your relationship with him that gives you the strength to do great things. Hallelujah. So you and I need to invest in our friendship with God. And that must be our motivation, friendship with God. So in order to build this relationship, 
One thing we've got to do. Now, the thing about friends, and especially for those of us who are busy, and we're all busy, many of you know that you have certain friends that you keep feeling bad because you haven't called them in a while. Anybody like that? Yeah. Yeah, you need to call, you know. Apart from maybe Ayo Lusoya, who's uh, amazing like that, but most of us, it's like, oh, I've not called. Oh, I need to call, I need to call, I need to call, I need to call, I need to call. Two weeks later, I still I need to call. You know why that happens? Because one, you're busy. Two, it's not scheduled. Praise the Lord. So one thing we do is we schedule a time and a place for your appointment. Now, I know it's okay. You want to have spontaneous. I don't want to be limited by, I just want to anytime. Fair enough. You can do the anytime. I just want to connect with God. I want to quickly pray. I want to do that. But in addition to the anytime stuff, because sometimes life gets in the way and anytime becomes sometime, right? Schedule a time and a place. Um, Daniel was a very good example of this. The Bible talked about Daniel when the king said that, you know, the, the, they shouldn't pray to any other. He, the Bible says three times a day, he, he goes to the same place, opens up, and he prays towards Jerusalem. So he had a particular point in time where he scheduled to spend time with God. So the encouragement here is a time and a place. Praise the Lord. A time and the place for you to spend time. Now, number three, so number one talks about motivation. Number two, scheduling a time and a place. Number three, and I'll just talk about this worship. I'll talk about this because this is very important. Now, God is awesome, and his presence is awesome, right? Um, however, life can be weird. Now, you and I, we spend the whole of our day using our, I mean, because, you know, and that's why we're smart people, interacting with our world, right? Using our senses, our five senses, right? And our brain, our mind, right, what it does is it evaluates all that information that it receives and is consistently making decisions and things like that, right? Now, our minds have been conditioned to be carnal. Now, a lot of us think that carnal means nasty. Carnal simply means, right, our brain is primarily led by our five senses. That's what it means. Praise the Lord. Now, and so we see situations, challenges, and all the, that's why sometimes it's so hard to pray because, you know, it's, you're thinking about the bus or the train or whatever. You're thinking about the child. You're thinking about all that other stuff gets in the way. And sometimes your problem is so big before you that it's so overwhelming, it's hard to pray. And so it's difficult to connect with his presence. Now what worship is, or what worship does for you, right, is God is not some egotistical person who just wants you shouting and screaming at him. No. It's actually for you. Worship is for you. Worship is you shifting your focus from the issues of life and focusing on the glory of God. Praise the Lord. So as you begin to focus on his glory, acknowledging his glory, giving attention to his glory, you begin to rise above the situations and the conditions and the reality of the things that you perceive with your five senses. Does that make sense? 
So this big problem that had been too much for you, and it's been, you have been racking your brain, I'm not sure how to do it. Right? Right? And this, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know what to do. And then you're singing, Jesus, you love me too much. Is that how it goes? <laughs> right? Too much, oh, too much, oh, excess love. Right? And you're singing that song, and all of a sudden, you're, you're focused on Jesus and the love of Jesus. And that thing that seemed too big, it just begins to diminish as you magnify him in your own eyes. All those other things that five minutes ago, just, you, you just were stressed. All of a sudden, you are now at a place where your spirit is taking over. And your mind is gradually becoming tuned to the spirit because you're focusing on God. Praise the Lord. So as you worship him, as you worship him, right, you become, you enter into a consciousness of his presence. And your neighbor is maybe in the next room. This is still whatever. But for you, even though you're in the room, you're not in the room. You're in his presence. Praise the Lord. Now, so when it says enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, it's, it's a manual. It's the... It's an instruction, like an instruction manual. It's how it works. It's not like, you know, you've, you know it, that's, does that make sense? It's, it's so that you can be able to enter into the consciousness of the glory of his presence. Praise the Lord. Now, sometimes, sometimes, it can so happen that I don't want to sing. If you find yourself in that situation, there's another one that you can do right? Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Now, let's quickly look at the book of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's first, let's first read verses 2 to 4 very quickly. And then we'll read 14 to 15. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Pay attention to that, then move on to the next verse very quickly. But who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men? Then the, um, verse 4, please. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Right? The thing is, praying in the spirit upsets your carnal mind. Because it doesn't make sense. So while you're doing it, everything in your carnal mind, person is revolting against it it's a spirit so what you do is you pray in the spirit you break into tongues what you're doing is you're forcing your mind to align with the spirit is this making sense so you break you then when you, when you're when you're feeling uncomfortable with it because sometimes you can you just do it more that is you you taming your flesh it's a spiritual, you build up yourself. Um, Jude 20 says, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So you pray in the Spirit, you sing in the Spirit. So if, you, if you're feeling so overwhelmed, just, just stop praying in the Holy Spirit. Start speaking in tongues. If you feel uncomfortable, speak louder and just keep on doing it. Right? And then switch to worship and switch back to tongues and switch to worship and switch back to tongues. Praise the Lord. 
and then just bask in the glory of his presence. It's, and it doesn't matter, even if your voice is like a frog that has a sore throat. You're not there to win awards. Praise the Lord. It's you and your father. Praise the Lord. And so we do, so we, we, we pray in the spirit. Another thing that you then can do is intercession, right? A good thing is make a list of people you want to pray for. So as you're praying in the spirit, you know, just the image of that person you're praying for and praying the spirit for that person. These are the things we do. Why? Because the Bible says we're more blessed when we give than when we receive. So by praying for someone else, your prayers for yourself are easier. You will even know that by the time you've interceded for others, by the time you're praying for yourself, you won't pray hard. Praise the Lord. Right? So we pray in the spirit. We pray in our understanding, intercession. Then we also pray prayers of inquiry. Lord, what do I do? Ask the questions. Right? And also conversations. Discuss your stuff. Discuss your day. Discuss stuff with him. He's your daddy. And you're in his presence. And then also, he says, I will watch to see what he will say. You then, there's also the place of keeping quiet to hear what he will say to you. Right? So keeping quiet. You know, so you ask a question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? You know, and just, you know, you've prayed and like, I'm not sure about this, Holy Spirit. What, what do I do here? Praise the Lord. These are practical things that you do in the place of his presence. And the thing is, because you are in the glory of his presence, you will hear him. A lot of times we want to hear God, but we are, it's like, how do I put this? It's like um, being in a tunnel and trying to listen to the radio. You can't. Even, you know, you're disconnected. But as soon as you come out, then you can get the connection. Praise the Lord. So we're struggling to hear God in a tunnel. But once you come out, you will hear. And, and that coming out is the glory of his presence. Praise the Lord. Okay, let me be very quick. Now, finally, the word. Yeah. Studying the word, reading the Bible. In that atmosphere, trust me, it's very different from just sitting down reading the Bible. It's good to read the Bible on the train and all that, but it's very, very different. Very, very different. You know, the Bible says the spirit kills, the letter gives, sorry, the letter kills, the spirit gives life, right? You encounter the spirit of the word, the closer you, the more you're in the, pres in the glory of his presence, the more likely you are to encounter the spirit of the word, especially as, you know, the spirit of the word and also as it's relevant within the context of what God wants to say to you in that moment. Praise the Lord. And this is a good time, this is a good time to pop in last week's message in church and have God speak to you through that message. And then God could literally give you something completely, you know, unique to you that you're thinking, I've listened to this message five times, but it's a different experience in this moment. Praise the Lord. Finally, and I'm going to spend probably just one minute on this, and this is boosting, I call it boosters of his glorious presence, because this is a personal thing. What I'm talking about here is a personal thing. You separate yourself, it's 
personal. It's personal encounters with God. But what boosted, there's three things I have here. Number one is fellowship, right? Fellowship. Fellowship with one another. Number two is mentors. And number three is protégés. You've got to have, you've, these are the things that boost it. You've got to have fellowship of what people who you share with one another, who you're encouraging one another, who you're praying for one another, our connect groups. I, you know, I know, well, most of us who are here will definitely be doing connect groups anyways, right? But, 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 you know, but so that's critical, right? Because at the end of the day, right, God created us to interact with one another, one. Number two is mentors, and the reason why mentors are critical is because you want to have someone who you can have conversations with, right, who you're looking up to. So you can, if you remember, um, what's his name? Samuel. When God called him, right, what did he do? He went to Eli and says, did you call me? He went again. And then he says, this is what you do. That is the value of having mentors. Praise the Lord. And then finally, protégés. Because you can't be someone who is enjoying God's presence and not give of that to others. It's important for your growth that you pour from what God has poured into you into others. Praise the Lord. Right? But the reality is, if we make a commitment to being friends with God, and the secret, secret to that is separating time to be able to enter into the glory of his presence. We know he's everywhere, but enter into the glory of his presence. Then there will be deliverance, there will be holiness, and you and I will possess our possession in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord.